The first Friday in this month, September, today is the last day of September. The first Friday in this month, hopefully I'm not too loud, um, I went out to have some major work done on the truck. You all know I have the Tundra. I love the Tundra. It's a great vehicle. But it needed some new brakes. <laughs> um, and it needed some major work done. So anyway, I, I ended up going to a place I love to go to whenever I have some free time on the weekend that people love to make fun of me about, which is all right. I drove up to Frederick, Maryland. I almost said Frederick, North Carolina. I drove up to Frederick, Maryland to get my brakes fixed. And uh, it was a great deal on the brakes. And as I was sitting there, it was in the evening, waiting on uh, the repairs to be completed, the manager started talking to me. He was a young fellow. I was sitting there, and I was actually had my computer. I was trying to do some work while I was there. But I realized the more he talked to me, I realized what he was doing. I said, oh, my goodness. No, I didn't say this out loud. But, I, I, you know, and when I thought about the situation, he waited until everybody left. And then he began to evangelize me. <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was great. I didn't tell him I was a pastor. I just listened, you know, and, um, but I listened to what he said. He told me about what his life had been. He told me about some horrible things that he had done in his life. He told, told me about some people who had reached out to him and shared the good news of Jesus with him. And later on, as we talked, he quoted a scripture of which I finished the verse, and then he looked at me like, uh-oh. Uh, and then I, I quoted another one to him, and uh, I let him know who, that I was a believer in the Lord as well. But anyway, we had a very good talk, and he said to me when the conversation was over, he said, you know, Terrence, I realize now that I do not have to be afraid to share my testimony, to share my faith with anybody. And I said, brother, I am a witness. No, you don't. Today and for the next three Sundays, I'm going to preach a series on discipleship. And I'm going to talk to you about four E's. Four E's, and I learned these when I was in college, the ministry I was involved with there, Campus Outreach. I'm going to talk to you today about evangelize, and they go as follows, evangelize, establish, equip, and export. They are very important indeed. You all have heard me talk about discipleship a lot, and you will continue to hear me talk about it the duration of my time here at Church of the Atonement. Because if we do not engage in discipleship, our church will die. And not just this church, but every church across the, the earth. If we do not engage in discipleship, the churches will die. Well, what is the church? What is the church? The church is the called out assembly called out of the world, called out of darkness, called out of spiritual rebellion to God. That's what the Scriptures teach. 
The church is God's called out assembly whereby God declares his church holy through faith in Jesus Christ. And God is our God and we are his people. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. He is the Lord. He is the king of the church. And the king, you all, has given major instructions to his church. He's given us what I call a decree. A decree that is indeed to be obeyed. What is the decree? This is the king's decree for the church. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And as you look in uh, your worship bulletin, there are a number of scriptures listed there. And because this is a topical sermon, I'm going to use different scriptures. And those are there for you to look through as we go through this message, but also as you go through this week to go back and read the Word. Well, hear the decree from King Jesus in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus, of course, has risen from the dead and He is about to ascend into heaven where He is right now. This is what He says to His apostles. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In this particular decree, there's one active verb. Now you see there it says go. In the Greek it says as you are going, as you go along, as you are living life, as you're moving along. Make disciples. The command before he ascended into heaven was make disciples, make learners of Jesus. Which means there are disciples out there to be made. Some people might say, well, that was just applied to the apostles. No. In John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying the high priestly prayer, He says, I don't only pray for these, but I pray for all those who will believe in Me through their words. The Gospel of Jesus is good news. And Jesus tells His apostles and the Spirit of the living God says to us at Atonement today, make disciples. Make disciples. Well, how do we do that? Well, He says you do that by baptizing and teaching. Our brother Brad McHugh was baptized this morning. Now his Christianity won't end there. He will continue on growing in his faith. How? Through the teaching of God's Word and all that is in it. Well, what is discipleship in particular? I'm going to give you this definition that was given to me a long time ago. Discipleship. Discipling others is the process by which a Christian with a life worth emulating 
commits himself or herself for an extended period of time to a few individuals who have been one to Christ. The purpose being to aid and guide their growth to maturity and equip them to reproduce themselves in a third spiritual generation. It's investing the good news of Jesus in the lives of others and doing that intentionally. Discipleship is a process. It is a lifestyle. It is intentional and it is strategic. Discipleship is how the church multiplies. It's how it grows in maturity. And as I said, over the next four weeks, we're going to deal with discipleship in the four E's. Evangelize, establish, equip, and export. And today we look at the first, evangelize. The church evangelizes. Did you know that? <laughs> that seems quite elementary, doesn't it? Well, of course the church evangelizes. Well, do we? Lots of people, interesting enough, say, well, I'm, I'm scared to share my faith. Okay. And yet the Lord says, make disciples. Fear is never to stop us. What is evangelism? Important piece of information for you all. (laughs) I put this on bold letters. I won't scream it at you. (laughs) You cannot save anybody. Did you know that? You cannot cause anyone to come out of spiritual darkness into the marvelous light of God. I cannot do it. Kurt can't do it. None of our elders can do it. None of our deacons can do it. None of you can do it. There's only one who can bring people to faith, and that is God Himself speaking through His Word through you. Amen. As my daddy would say, amen, Brother Little. We can't change the hearts of anybody. So in a, in a sense, that takes the load off. <laughs> Well, what is evangelism? Evangelism is teaching people the Bible. That's all it is. It is teaching people the Bible. It's that simple. It is indeed that simple. Evangelism teaches people the storyline of the Bible, which is the storyline of human history. We have no reason to apologize for believing in the Bible. We're not ashamed of believing in the Bible. I was going to start this sermon with this. There's something wrong. There's something terribly wrong with the world, you all, and you know what it is? It's us. It's us. The storyline of the Bible, quite simple. A kindergartner could tell you. It's creation, fall, redemption, and the new creation. In creation, God forms humanity from the dust of the ground. He lays the groundwork for what life is to look like, and he breathes into humanity the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And he gave Adam and he gave Eve parameters to live by. And he basically said, as long as you abide by these parameters, you will live forever. 
that a tempter exists in the world who hates us, who hates God, who hates all of God's creation. And in the garden, our first parents fail. They fell from grace. And yet God did not leave them without hope. Even in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, you see a promise of one to come who would crush the head of the serpent. And that, of course, is the Lord Jesus who comes in the third part of the, the drama, so to speak, of human history, redemption. Jesus comes. It is teaching people the gospel. And the gospel is good news. It is good news. In the summer of 2001, I went to South Africa. I may have said this before, but I'm going to say it again. In the summer of, in the summer of 2001, uh, 18 of us, college students from different colleges, we went to South Africa to, um, in essence, we were guinea pigs, so to speak, for campus outreach. We went there. We went to the campus of, uh, it was the University of Pretoria, uh, I remember this, the, the nickname is Tuckis, which is sneakers. Um, a Dutch university. Now this, of course, is not long after the, uh, the dissolution of apartheid there. When I was there, I definitely saw the, the line drawn still between white and black. But we went there to share the gospel. We went into these college dormitories, and we had Bible studies with students. We got to know them, and we shared Christ with them, and we, were, uh, we, we, were, um, we, we had ministry pairs. And so uh, my ministry partner, his name is Mike. And Mike and I were out behind a, uh, they call them the reses. We were out behind one of the reses talking to a group of guys, and one of those guys said to us, you Americans, he said, you don't care about us. He said, you know, you come over here talking to us about God. He said, but you're going to get on your little airplane and go back to your good life. And I thought, oh, my goodness. He was saying that to Mike, and I thought, there's nothing else to say. But then, you know, it welled up within me. I thought, no, 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 no. Don't yield to this. I said, brother, let me tell you something. If all of humanity was stricken with the worst disease and I knew where the cure was, and I could offer it to you, I said, would I be loving you if I said, no, nah, brother, I'm not going to give you the cure today. And I went on about my business with life. I said, am I loving you in that? And he said, no. I said, brother, we got on an airplane, we crossed the ocean, we came over here to share the cure that the human world so desperately needs who is Jesus. Yeah, we might look like fools for doing it, but you need Jesus. Anyway, we had a great, a great exchange after that. Evangelism. What is evangelism? It's teaching people the Scriptures. And I want you to see why this is so, I think this makes it abundantly clear. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Apostle Peter writes this, Since you have been born again, 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. What brings us to faith, you all? Well, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. This is not in my notes, but I, I mean, I remember growing up in the church I grew up in. Several of my dad pastored churches, but also had a home church. And they would teach us the Scriptures. I can remember my relatives sitting out in the yards on Sunday afternoons talking about the Word of God. I could remember when horrible things would occur, tra- tragedies would happen in life, and they would call on God's Word. I saw them depend on the Word. Why is evangelism so important? Evangelism is extremely important because atonement has been made for sin by Jesus Christ. Atonement, satisfaction. God's anger has been appeased. The the debt that we owe to our Creator has been paid. Do you know that in every other religion of the world, there is no Savior? You have to work at it. Something you have to do in order to attempt to get to God. Y'all, there's nothing that we can do. There's not one thing that we can do. And the Bible teaches from first to last that God had a plan and he's provided a Savior. The name of our church is Church of the Atonement. We are the church that, that witnesses to, testifies about, attempts to live out of the reality that Jesus has paid for your transgressions. You're going beyond what God said don't do or are falling short of it. Sin, you all, is missing the mark of the standard of God's glory. And He wants us to live in light of His glory. And He's given us a Savior. I put in, or Sue put in the worship bulletin, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 9, and also Leviticus chapter 16. I'm not going to read all of Leviticus chapter 16. But I am going to read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 9. And this is important. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and they had a lot of problems, y'all. <laughs> they had a lot, a lot of problems. And Paul says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. That means you never get away from the gospel. It will always be necessary in your life and in my life. If, he says, you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, Paul says. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. I love that. 
It means anybody can be delivered. Anybody, anybody can be changed, no matter what your particular background, life, situation. God can change anybody. I put here Leviticus chapter 16, and at some point I do, I would love for you to read through it. Leviticus chapter 16 talks about the day of atonement that God organized, that God gave explicit detailed instructions about. It occurred only once a year. And interesting, you know, as I was reading through that past two weeks, you see that God gives Aaron instructions about what he is to offer for his own sin, and then instructions about what he is to offer on behalf of the sins of the people. And he said he he did it to make them holy. Israel was the called-out assembly of God. We are now the called-out assembly of God. Jesus is the fulfillment of Leviticus chapter 16. The gospel is what I'm attempting to get at here. We need a Savior. In this life, we deal with sickness, we deal with pain, we deal with death. Every one of us will travel that road one day. And many people think that now is all that matters, and that when we die, we go to the dust, and that's it, that our lives have no significance. The Bible says otherwise, that each and every human being who exists will stand before the Creator and give an account for what you've done in this life. And if if we have not trusted in the one God has given, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says hell will be our home for eternity. Now there are people who will laugh you to scorn over that. People who've laughed at me over that. And yet it's very, very real. We need to be forgiven. And God has given us Christ. Jesus is God's provision for the forgiveness of your sin against God your Creator. You know, the the Word teaches in terms of forgiveness to teach us how absolutely necessary it is for us to be forgiven by God if we would stand before Him clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God says in the Scriptures that if we don't forgive one another, we will not be forgiven. There are people who don't believe that, and I know it because I see it. At the feet of the cross, you all, it's all level ground. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody is better than anybody else. We desperately need good news. We desperately need good news. And the good news is the Savior. Well, how do we evangelize? Like Terrence, get on with it here. How do we evangelize? Very simple. In Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 13, we are given incredible, I'm going to say incredible instructions. Hear the word of the Lord here from Luke and uh, Acts. The author is the physician Luke in Acts 4, verses 5 to 13. Now Jesus has gone to heaven. 
And the apostles are sharing the, the word. And this is what the word says. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the, highly, excuse me, of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Healing the man who was lame. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There's rescue in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's an absolute statement. And this is the answer to the question, how do we evangelize? And it's in the response of the scribes and the elders and the priests. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They were fishermen. They were the, the, the dregs, you know, the, the marginalized, those pushed out. They stunk. We don't want them around us. This digni- you know, we're dignified, dignitary people. They were astonished, and this is what I want you to see in here today. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, the very last sermon that I'll give in this series deals with export. I'm going to share with you another passage of Scripture where Jesus tells these men, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The scribes and the elders and the priests were astonished and they said they've been with Jesus. What is evangelism? How do you evangelize? You spend time with Jesus. Amen, Brother Lowe. Amen. How do we share Christ with people? Do you know that it is intended to be an overflow of you spending time with Jesus? We don't have time to do that, do we? Not in an area like this where our schedules matter so much. We got to get in the Word. And we got to walk with Jesus in the sacred text of Holy Writ. Amen. We got to walk with the Lord Jesus. We spend, uh, I got to give you this. I heard a man say this a long time ago. He said, fullness has the propensity to overflow. (laughs) As the Lord fills you with his word, you overflow into the lives of other people. You talk about Jesus. Spend time with Jesus through studying, reading, meditating on, and praying the Holy Scriptures. I'm teaching a class right now on how to study the Bible. That's not a plug. 
be a witness of Jesus. It's a ripple effect. It's an overflow of spending time with Jesus. You teach people the Bible. What do we teach? We teach what the Bible teaches about the human condition, that we're sinners. We teach what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. We teach what the Bible teaches about repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Savior of the world, and King of the universe. And excuse me, in closing, I give you two takeaways for the Church of of Atonement. Very simple. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Make a time to get alone with God and His Word and read and study and pray. Start with 1 John. It's it's a short book. It's got five chapters. Read it over and over and over again over the period of a month. And I I, I promise you, at the end of those 30 days, you'll be different. (laughs) You'll think differently. Pray in light of what you've read. And then the second takeaway, the first one is spend time with Jesus. The second takeaway is ask God to give you one person to evangelize. Ask God to give you one person person. I don't know how many people are in here, but just imagine if, one, if, if you prayed and said, Lord, give me one, and he gave every last one of us one, and he saved them, and we all came back together. We'd have to build a new church. Our denomination has taken September to focus on evangelism, and it's also going to be the focus for next year. I learned that this past week. I was down in South Carolina and the new moderator told us that that's what he's going to focus on for the next year as well. Let's trust God to put someone in your life for you to teach what the Scriptures say about God, people, and Jesus. And indeed, brothers and sisters, let us never forget eternity is at stake. Dawson Trotman is the founder of the Navigators. He said, when a person becomes a child of God, he should realize that he is to live in union with Jesus Christ if he is going to win others to the Savior. Walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day, and I thank you for each and every person in this room. And Lord, I, I do pray and ask you that you'd place it on all of everyone's hearts to spend time with you every day in your Word, to set aside time to read to study, to meditate, and to pray on your word. The world we live in needs the church. And God, we can't be the church if we are not in your word, if we're not spending time with you. We won't share Christ with others if we are not consistently, Lord, seeking to be in your presence. Forgive us where we have failed, Lord, Oh God, may we live in the light of your goodness and your grace. Give us one, Father, each and every person. Give us one person. And God, bring them to faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.